she is my strength so many times. I'm like, what if I don't get better? She's like, you're gonna get better. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Welcome to Christ in All Things, a conversation about meaning and purpose. It's based on a Bible verse, Colossians 1:17, which says, Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Christ in All Things is a listening ear into conversations about receiving and giving the love and hope of Christ. And these conversations, they are an invitation. Because as you'll hear, and as much as we enjoy having them, Digital media operates from a distance, and that is not what's best for us, with God, or with one another. So, thanks for listening. And if you're in the neighborhood, we invite you to participate in person in the life that finds its epicenter at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Welcome to Christ in All Things. I am Pastor Lance O'Donnell. I'm Pastor Jason Schockman. And we are here at St. Paul's 2022 Biblical Marriage Retreat. And at the closing of the retreat, we've looked at the stories of Abraham and Sarah and just looked at the stories of the New Testament couple, Priscilla and Aquila. And one of the great traditions that we have at the close of our retreat is a, a member of the marriage ministry team, one of the seven couples, closes the retreat. This year, however... Uh, Don and Karen Meyer, who were scheduled to do the closing, uh, abandoned us. Had well, <laughs> they had they had to travel to Germany because Don owns a business that has an affiliate in, in the, the Ukraine. Ukraine, and that business owner needed to meet with Don, and so Don and Karen are on their way to Germany right now, and so we had to come up with a different thing to do for the closing, and so, we had just so, had special guests at St. Paul's Chapel, yeah. so we have with us today. Um, a very special couple, uh, who and we want to introduce to you um, Michael and Jenny Stolenwerk. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, Jenny, we um, it, the listeners won't have the pictures available to them, but we can probably put it. We can put it in the show notes. We can. We can put the show notes. Uh, so we have a handout of pictures, and so Jenny, what I'd like you to do, if you would, is go through the pictures as you have here and tell the story. And then we're going to talk a little bit about your marriage. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, so about um, 10 years ago, we found out that Michael had a little tumor on the bottom part of his brain. Um, the doctors checked it all out and said really that it wasn't supposed to do anything. It was the kind that would just sit there, and it gave him a little bit of a problem with his vision, but otherwise they were just going to monitor it and thankfully nothing was going to happen. Um, about cut to 10 years later then, um, he started to notice that he was having some problems and so we went in and got it checked out um, and it was doing what it wasn't supposed to do. So it had started to grow just a little bit, but they were pretty concerned about it. And we met with a lot of specialists and really came down to having two options left. Uh, we could do radiation um, which really a lot of people were encouraging us to do, and then to have surgery. So we took some time to pray about it and um, talk together, and we chose the surgery, even though, like I said, they were kind of pushing us towards the radiation. 
So on June 25th, a um, year and a half ago, Michael went in for a brain surgery. It was supposed to be an easy brain surgery, if that's an option in the brain surgery world. Because um, brain surgery, it's always one of right. those things where, you know, we have easy options. Right, that's what they told us, yeah. yeah. And then a six-week recovery, and he'd be back to uh, regular functioning, and, um, you know, we'd get on with life. So um, that really is what happened. They had the surgery, and it went exceedingly well. Everything went exactly as it was supposed to. Um, I visited him in his hospital room a few hours after the surgery, um, and the first picture there um, is actually where he's given a big thumbs up right after his first surgery. Everything was great. He was talking. He was happy. Like We were, we were excited about the success that it was. Um, a few hours later, he started to get a little disoriented and uh, was in pain. His head was hurting. They weren't really sure what was going on. They started some pain medication for him, but it just escalated quickly. Um, and so I had to leave that night because we had visiting hours. So I left him in a, where he wasn't in a great state at that point, and they were trying to figure things out. So at 4 o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call from... A surgeon, which is really not a fun thing to go through. Um, and they said that Michael had progressed through the night and gotten worse, and uh, they had done some MRIs and things, and his brain was swelling, and they needed to do an emergency surgery to make sure that his brain actually had room in his head. And so they had to take out part of his skull to make room. So that was the first surgery he went through. When he got done, they said the exact same thing. Everything went so well. They were really excited about it, um, and they were very hopeful. And then they found out a couple hours later that <laughs> it was not going well. His brain had continued to swell, and they had to go in for another emergency surgery. And at this point, they had to remove uh, a portion of his brain, the only part that they can remove and still um, where he can be functional, but it was going to affect his balance. So they went through that surgery. Again, everything went really, really well. Was, he, was, was, he, was Michael responsible, responsive at all, or did you have to make these decisions? Um, I had to make these decisions. He was not responsive. He had a twitching of his foot, and they were hopeful that that was actual movement, but if you looked at it, you could tell it wasn't. Um, so that was all at this point. He had no idea what was so going you get, on. you get a call at 4 a.m. You can't consult Michael. No. And you got to make the call. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get me cry right away. Let's give it a minute here. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, really, there wasn't a whole lot of a decision to be made. Honestly, they were saying, we do this or he will die. So, um, you know, it was more just giving the permission to go ahead and keep moving with it. So um, you can see in some of the pictures there then that um, they had done a lot of procedures. Um, like I said, everything went really well every time. Um, but then after that third surgery, they really said uh, there was nothing left to do. They had uh, started a drain um, to drain some of the fluid off of his brain, and they had to sit and wait and see what was going to happen next. Um, like you said, he was completely unresponsive. They would test to make sure actually that he was still alive um, by shining a light in his eye, and then they could measure if his pupils would dilate at all. Um, sometimes the left one would dilate, sometimes the right one would dilate, sometimes they would both stop, and then everybody would panic um, and run around and do some more procedures and things to keep him alive. Um, but that was really 
it. And so we waited. They would try to give commands, try to get him to open his eyes, um, do a thumbs up again, anything like that, um, to see if he had any response. And there was nothing. Um, so for how long? Um, so the surgery was on Friday and Saturday, Sunday, then we did emergency surgeries. And at yeah. that point, then he was unresponsive. Um, Monday then was the day that they started bringing people in and telling me to um, get ready to let him go. Yeah. So um, I talked with um, surgeons and they said, you know, the outcome was either to spend a lot of money to keep him as he was um, or to turn off the machines and say goodbye. Then they brought in a child psychologist to help me tell, figure out how to tell my boys because um, they were at home, they weren't able to see him, and so how, you know, we could all say goodbye to Dad. And, and we're still in the middle of COVID at this point, which yeah. has some impact on visitation yes. and stuff. Yeah, boys were not allowed to see him. And I was the only one, it was myself or his mom, but we could not be in the same room at the same time. So, um, right, so then uh, that afternoon, I asked his mom to come in and um, stay with him so that I could go home and have that conversation with the boys and start to prepare them um, and, and talk about what that would look like and help them, you know, get ready for that because we really thought that was, our, that was where this was all headed at that point. Um, so I went home and had that conversation with Ethan and Owen and there were lots of tears and, um, you know, we prayed together and just really spent some time trying to wrap our brains around it as much as we could. Um, and then I was in my living room by myself, sitting on my couch, trying to process things. And I got to the point, um, which of course shows your weakness in the moment, but where I said, all I have left is the miracle. There's nothing else here, um, which I should have thought of that first, <laughs> right? I mean, looking back, obviously. Um, but it really was to that moment where there was nothing else that was going to save Michael. Uh, the doctors had said, you know, they were done at this point. Um, so it was probably at about 6 o'clock um, where I was sitting there and just really praying and spending some time and, um, you know, just trying to have a little bit of peace about all of this or to understand it. Um, and I started to get some texts from friends out in the Lake Country area. Um, they had kind of heard a little bit about what we were going through, and they set up a prayer vigil for us over at Lake Country Lutheran. So um, I started to get pictures of everybody coming around the cross and praying for Michael and the boys and me. Um, and people were saying if they weren't able to be there, they stopped what they were doing at 6 o'clock and they were praying for us also. Um, and it just, I just felt a little peace in that moment, like, or a little hope maybe that, you know, like I said, I know that God has the power to do all of that, and but it, to have that remembrance of it and to have people showing me that was, was a really incredible moment for me. Um, and so I, you know, I was, like I said, feeling a little bit of that hope. And then at about 8 o'clock, Michael's mom was done with her visit, and so I called right away. How was he? You know, what happened? And she said that um, a couple hours before, so in my head, I'm going to say it's about 6 o'clock, <laughs> um, right. that uh, she was reading the Bible to Michael, and she looked up, and uh, his eyes just opened briefly and closed. Now, he had had a lot of movement that wasn't anything, and so, you know, you don't know. She brought in the nurses, and they tried the commands again and asked him to open his eyes, thumbs up, wiggle your toes, 
and really there wasn't any anything at that moment. So they were getting him comfortable again and talking. Um, and suddenly his hands, uh, I wish I could have been there, but just started to move a little bit. Um, and all of a sudden they looked over and he had two thumbs up to really make sure <laughs> they could tell. Yep. And so he was responsive in that moment, and um, they did other commands with him. And uh, I think every hour then through the night and everything, they would do the same commands, and he was able to um, show them that he was awake and he was hearing what they were saying. So a pretty amazing moment. Um, and, you know, a couple days earlier when I was really sitting there thinking that it was going to be over, um, I had done kind of like an online journal, and on there I had written, you know, that I knew God had the power to save Michael, and I was praying so hard that that's what it was going to be, and I know, Pastor, um, we were on the phone praying together and things too, just um, hoping that that would be the outcome, but I also said, if if not, if this really was where I needed to say goodbye to Michael, um, I also knew that he was still with me, and he'd give the boys and me and other people that power and strength to get through that because we don't always get the answer that we want for our prayers, but um, we knew, you know, God was still with us through all of that, which was pretty, a pretty amazing thing for us to go through. Um, so that wasn't the end of it either. It wasn't the easy, like the easy part was over. Um, he spent two and a half months in the hospital, three different hospitals actually, um, and he got worse before he got better. He ended up uh, on a ventilator, on a feeding tube, he had a tracheostomy, um, he got infections all the time, which really set back his progress. So it was day after day I would go in, and I just really felt like we were going into battle, um, because today it was like, can you take a couple breaths on your own, or can they reduce the oxygen so that you can try a little bit harder, or um, can you move your hand? I mean, he he pretty much lost his ability to do everything at that point, internally and outside. Um, and, and for what it's worth, for our listeners, this dude is a good athlete, a serious athlete, and a wrestling coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And huge into his eating habits and everything, which they really said uh, probably also helped to, you know, a, another body that wasn't so physically fit probably wouldn't have made it. So that was really exciting, too, that... Um, you know, God was preparing us for years <laughs> to get ready for this moment, for sure. Um, so he finally did come home, and um, he has spent the last year at home, uh, first of all, going to physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech. He would go three times a week. Um, he's now worked into a routine where he just goes to physical therapy once a week, but he spends five to six hours a day still um, working at home. Um, I'm usually standing behind him as he's um, doing all these exercises and things that they gave us. So he's not done yet, but he certainly has come a long way. No more feeding tube, no more tubes of any kind in him, actually. So medically, he's doing really well. Um, and now it's just working on bringing back that physical aspect, the balance, and um, all those parts to it. Uh, still ha having some problems with his breathing and, and eating and things. It's still a little bit hard for him, but he's coming a long way. As they're telling this story, what you can't see, uh, either as a listener or you here at the marriage retreat, uh, is them holding hands underneath the table. And there, as they're telling a, stories, there's a you uh, you marked yourself up a little bit with something. You want to tell us about that? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the hospital, one of the things, so Michael would get very panicky, uh, as anybody would when you can't breathe or when he felt like he couldn't breathe. And so um, we tried a lot of things. You know, I'm in the special ed world where we talk a lot about how to calm yourself and calming techniques and, and things. And we would do all of them, and some of them worked a little bit. But the one thing that really helped for Michael was to read the Psalms. And before he had gone into surgery, um, as a family, he had sat down and shown us Psalm 121 and Psalm 46, and we read them. And so I would read them, Psalm 121 I would read every time he'd go into a procedure. Um, in the morning when I would be there to see him, at night when I would leave, that was my prayer for him and to him. Um, so I did now get a tattoo on my arm that has Psalm 121 written on there. I just felt like it needed to be documented. <laughs> We also have it around our house. We have keychains. We have—I mean, Psalm 121 is everywhere. <laughs> yep. uh, lifting our eyes to the hills from where our help comes, Michael. Uh, you know your help comes from the Lord. Uh, tell tell us how you know that daily. Well, uh, His word and you guys. And that daily reminder is pretty important it is isn't it for you? And yeah. Talk talk a little bit, Jenny and Michael, about what re, what your life is now, and what I observe is seems like bold, persistent, constant rehabilitation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, first of all, Michael's a super hard worker, and that wrestling mindset he's always had. Again, God was preparing us for sure, but. Um, he even today when we were walking here, he's like, well, when we go home, I got to get back at it today, Jenny. So he spends um, all day working on getting better, um, whether it's he reads the Psalms out loud to work on his speech. Um, he is constantly doing exercises while I'm not home, while I'm at work. And then when I come home, we do some of the balancing and things together. Um, but yeah, he is he has such a determination and it's really actually pretty amazing to watch like I got a front row seat to seeing him you know I'm sitting there tired at night like really are we going to do one more session he's like let's go Johnny let's do it and I'm like okay we're going to keep it up so um and he's got a big bleeping smile on his face <laughs> well, <right now. laughs> if I'm being honest God works through our civil nature too and so much of this is fear-based so I don't want to be stuck like this if I don't have to be, if God wants me to walk again uh, reliably without Jenny being behind me, I will. And I have to be prepared to do the work. So. I, I appreciate the honesty on that because it's interesting the way you phrase that. God works through our sinful nature yeah. <laughs> to, to, to will and to do according to his good pleasure. I think I've read that somewhere before. Somewhere, yeah. yeah. Sounds familiar. Uh, and so even, even though for you there's a, there's a, a fear, right, that I don't, I don't want to be stuck like yeah. this. So if God wants me to be better, then, then I'll get better. But for crying out loud, 
I don't want to be stuck like this. So I'm going to work my can off to make sure that I can get there if God wants me to get there. Right. Right. So there is both, Michael, a a fear, yes, but there's a faith that clings to what God can allow to be uh, that I see in you uh, and have for some time. Um, So thank you uh, for being honest about the fear that's there, but for also being an example of a faith that clings to God's promises and his word. That's all I have. That's all any of us have, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and as a couple, too, you know, you always look back on trials and tribulations, and it almost always is like a strengthening moment. Um, and this one, really, too, I would never wish this on Michael, of course, but the blessings and the um, change in us is really, truly amazing. Like, we our. so close to now. Our marriage is incredibly strong. We, I mean, I spent a whole year actually not going into work. Um, and so we spent every minute together. And all I want to do now is get home at night to be with Michael, to hang out with him and share our day. And um, spiritually, it really brought us together. And, you know, we just hope to be able to use this story um, and what he has gone through to glorify God in, in any way that we can. So I want to I backtrack on that because you, we talked about this a little bit over the course of the retreat, but I think it's important for the listeners to hear this. You know, you two are both Lutheran school teachers. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, people raised in the faith, trained in it, and and work and working in the church. But you told you you told me that you know we were kind of busy doing our own thing, and yes. we were you know kind of had our own separate things. And then this happened. And talk a little bit more about how your how your marriage is different, Michael. Oh. If you could use a couple words to describe your wife right now. What would you say about oh, her? She is the Kevin Bacon of uh, the world. <laughs> so he is known for all I can uh, be a uh, supporting actor instead of a big actor. And Jenny will. <laughs> okay, I need to repeat that. So this, is, this dude is so funny and smart. <laughs> he says his wife is the Kevin Bacon of... Of the world, yeah. the best supporting actor, right? Isn't yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and in that, and in that same, I mean, in the same breath, she's also the leading role. Oh, she is, but she steps aside. Let's begin all this attention, but it's really more than my story. It's her story. She is so faithful. And I had the doctors and the therapists in my corner, but God gave me her. Jenny. Yeah. So it's so amazing and so supportive. I'm, I'm so weak. I cry all the time, and I'm crying now. And she. It is my strength so many times. I'm like, what if I don't get better? She's like, you're going to get better. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) ma'am. If you folks folks ever get a chance just to sit 
and 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 talk with Michael and Jenny, and then, um, and then be patient for Michael's humor. Yep. Um, the guy is a crack up, and 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 I'm I'm so grateful in so many ways, uh, Michael, that you aren't aren't just a part of our congregation, but that you sit on the board of elders, um, and that you lend your wisdom to us. Uh, quietly, but de- in determined ways. Yeah, Michael, um, Michael, was a, Michael Stolenwerk was elected a member of the Board of Elders um, in early June of 2021, and three, two, three weeks later was the surgery. Yeah. By, by the way, I, I, you probably know, but if, I, if I'm looking at your dates rightly, uh, the day of your surgery was the, the commemoration of the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. Yeah. which is the chief confession of the Lutheran Church. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got, we're coming up on, on time here. I want to talk a little bit about, if we can, um, the impact on your boys of all this. Can you, are you game to talk about that Absolutely, a little bit? Yeah. So tell us a little, tell us a little bit about how this has been for your boys. Yeah. You. Because um, I don't, yeah. you know. Yeah. It, it was hard for them. And, I just had such a hard time thinking about, you know, a young 15-year-old and 18-year-old having to go through this. It, it just kept apologizing to them uh, that they shouldn't have had to experience this and figure out how to deal with it. Um, but I would say, again, with them, uh, it has it has made them love their dad even more. It has uh, helped them understand what it, that's like when you just have to rely on God um, and try to figure out how to get through it. So we definitely had times they were allowed to, the nurses actually snuck my boys in um, at Freighter two different times so that they could see Michael because they weren't really supposed to be in there. And that's um, when they looked clear. You couldn't hide them anywhere. <laughs> when they had the big hair, right? Well, yeah, one of the one of the boys <laughs> one of the boys has an absolutely enormous head of hair. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, I call it fraudworthy. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, Ethan, our oldest, said, "Mom, I don't care how Dad comes home; he can come home to us in pieces. It doesn't matter. I just want him home." And that was so telling to me that they just accepted. Um, you know, it's hard for. Uh, when, when they did come home, we talked about if you were embarrassed about your dad, that's okay. We yeah. can talk about that as a family and we can make it okay. And they just didn't care anymore because they were so thankful he was home and he was still their dad here on earth and that they get more time with them. So um, we've sent them to counseling afterwards and things too to talk about it, but they're really like, we're good. I mean, we just, they, I think they get it. They get that He's here, and that's amazing for our family, and that God sees us through it all. Oh, I can't see who the mom really is through this all. So that's what I, she will never say that, but I guess I, I'm slow out to make sure you get the credit you deserve. God using you in our family and beyond in amazing ways. God, God's using Jenny in amazing ways. Speaking, yeah. of, speaking of, real quickly, is another funny thing, because then I want to do something to close up here. Um, can These two have taken on reading 
uh, or wearing. Okay, so all marriage retreat long, right? Every day these two have shown up with T-shirts that celebrate their unity. Uh, Today's T-shirt, Michael's, says, One uh, Lucky Fisherman. And the, the, there's a fishing pole up one side and a line that shoots off the side of his shirt. Uh, standing next to him then is his bride in a shirt that is the opposite color scheme uh, with a fishing line coming into her shirt. Uh, and it says the best catch of his life. And there's a hook through a heart <laughs> on her shirt uh, that is obviously being reeled in by the lucky fisherman. Uh, yesterday, their shirts... Uh, were about uh, something about sweet potato. Mike said, she's, my, she's sweet my sweet potato. And then Jenny's shirt simply said, I yam. <laughs> I yam. So here, it? Here's, what I'd li- yam. Uh, here's what I'd like to do to close this wonderful episode of Christ in All Things uh, live at our 2022 Biblical Marriage Retreat. Um, you two can just sit right there. The rest of us are going to stand up and sing the doxology. Thank you, Stolen Works, and thank you all. God bless you, and we'll see you next time on Christ in All Things. For show notes and other information about this or other episodes of Christ in All Things, visit ChristInAllThings.org. Comments may be emailed to comments at ChristInAllThings.org. To support Christ in All Things, click the donate page at either ChristInAllThings.org or SPLCO.org. In thanks for a one-time gift of $100 or more, you receive a pair of nerdy blue light blocking glasses with the Christ in All Things logo on them. Pastor Shockman loves these. That is so not true. Patrons who subscribe for a monthly gift of $20 or more will have early access to the show and receive some on-air clapping. As well as a pair of Wisconsin-made Christ in All Things hiking socks. Gifts of $1,000 or more will receive thunderous on-air clapping. And a word of thanks, plus a handmade leather Christ in All Things folio by the Murdy Creative Company. For a gift of $10,000 or more, we will go bleeping bananas. <laughs> Do a happy dance and take the show on the road to your home or wherever it is you'd like to fly us to record with you. All post-production surplus supports youth ministry at St. Paul's. Thank you for your support. Christ in All Things is a production of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. For more information about St. Paul's, visit splco.org, email us at info at splco.org, or call us at 262-567-5001. Intro, outro music, setting by Joseph Hurl, copyright 1998, Concordia Publishing House, used with permission.